so glad he changed me. Darkness held me down. Jesus pulled me out. I'm no longer bound. I'm so glad he saved me. you but I don't know where I would be were it not for the amazing love and grace of our God and Savior do you you ever think about that how good God has been to us listen to first John 3 1 says see what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are I hope that the song that the praise band the choir just sang that that is the cry of your heart that you know your name has been changed that you are a child of the king 
and that is why we're here to worship today. We want to welcome you to our service. If you're visiting with us, so glad that you could join us today. And before you leave, please stop by our guest table and pick up a guest bag. We also encourage you, if you could scan that QR code or fill out the card in your bulletin, you can leave that back there in the baskets, and we would love to have a record of your visit and hopefully serve you in some way. You can indicate that on there. Um, before we recognize our kids, I just want to say a quick word. Um, Christmas in Teville, as you know, we participated in that again this year. I want to first of all thank Kathy Johnson and Kelly Eichard, Dwayne Eichard, for that ministry. You were a part of providing Christmas for 66 children locally. And that's just, there was so much work went into that. And it, it's behind the scenes. We don't show pictures of those families. This is a very private thing. But we serve in Jesus' name. And I want to thank you for giving, gifts, giving financially. I want to thank that team for what they did. And next year, uh, you can you can actually give throughout the year to go to that ministry to purchase gifts next year. So just make, make you aware of that. Thank you for being a part of that. Uh, but right now, we're going to ask everyone to stand. And as you if you would, just take a minute and uh, welcome your neighbor. You can bump fists or bump elbows or just wave at each other if you need to. And you may be seated. I'm going to recognize Elizabeth Walker. Elizabeth's our children's director. And just a quick word, next Sunday we'll be back on a regular Sunday night schedule. That includes Awana. Uh, I'm going to turn this over to Elizabeth as we recognize our first graders. And I think she has a, a few words as well. Good morning. Um, it is truly my joy to be the children's director at East Taylorsville. Um, if you're wondering where some of your second kindergarten, second through fifth graders are, we still are having children's worship. Um, I'm going to head over there after this. But I love the tradition that East Taylorsville has of presenting Bibles to our first graders. Um, first grade is when I feel like you really see some of those reading skills develop. And what better way to tell them the importance of reading God's Word than to put a Bible in their hands in first grade. So we want to take this time now to present Bibles to our first graders. Um, Debbie and Amber Kiever are our first grade Sunday school teachers. And I'm not just saying this because I'm the children's director. They are fantastic. Our Sunday school teachers show up every week. Um, I have three girls in our Sunday school program. They are wonderful. If you have kids that are not involved in Sunday school, I really encourage you um, to come. They're in great hands. My kids can tell me what they've learned every week. Um, so thank you to our Sunday school teachers that are in here. Um, Debbie and Amber have been teaching first grade for a while, so I thank them. Um, so I'd like to recognize Sawyer Bentley, Elsie Blevins, Cortland Dalton, Caleb Davis, Molly Spicer, Stella White, and Maverick Windsor. We also have um, four first graders that typically attend, but they're not here. Um, that was Samson Gwaltney, Crew Lackey, Piper Medlock, and Xavier Poles. So let's give our first graders a round of applause. <laughs> 
We have several first graders that are going to stay with their parents today. So if you have a first grader up here and you would like them to come sit with you, would you stand up, please? If you see your parent, you can go ahead and sit with them. And if you're going to come to Children's Church, you can go sit right back down over there and you can go with me. Okay, just a quick word, um, because of course I have to plug our children's ministry. If you are not involved in an area in our church serving and you are looking for somewhere to serve, we would love to have you. Um, There's several different programs that we do in children's ministry. Um, Awana starts back next week. Um, children's worship that's going on right now. We do a rotation. We would love to have more adults help. um, And you don't have to prepare anything ahead of time. You can just come. Um, I'll put you to work gladly. Um, We have Wednesday night. um, And then Sunday morning, we still have some Sunday school positions. Um, Also, extended session. We always need help in extended session. Um, Lisa does a great job leading that. So if you would like to help, if you're looking for an area to serve, please help in children's ministry. We have a great group of kids and it's truly a joy to serve them. I have just watched them blossom. um, And thank you for allowing me to serve you through our kids. Thank you. Old to be in first grade again. You know, first graders sing on key, off key with reckless abandonment. So let me encourage you this morning to sing like a first grader, on key, off key, it doesn't matter. Stand up, sing with us. We're going to sing a song called Take You at Your Word.
come to this time of prayer, I want to mention one uh, family in particular, Gina Deal, the Gina Deal family, that's Brandon Deal and Kelly Deal's, Brandon Deal's mother, but Kelly Deal's mother-in-law, and she's at uh, Catawba Hospital, very sick, I mean very sick, it's kind of touch and go in her situation, a lot of you probably know Gina, so at this time of prayer, I want you to remember this family in prayer, and also as the choir has been singing about, we have so much to thank God for, don't we? We have so much to thank Him for. So whether you come forward or stay in your chair, please, during this prayer time, let's just praise the God who saved us, who showed His grace and extended His grace on us, who has justified us by faith and given us peace with God. What a blessing that is. So as they lead us in this time of worship, meet me here at the altar and let's pray together this morning. Thank you. So I throw my hands and praise you again
every head bowed here this morning. Would you lift up Gina Dio in prayer? She needs your, the Lord's touch. Pray for the doctors and nurses who are trying so desperately to help her in her situation. It's a very bleak situation. Pray for Josh and Brandon as her sons as they try to make decisions as well. And now just thank the Lord for your salvation. Thank the Lord that, that His mercies are new every morning. Just thank God that no matter what we're going through, that God's Spirit is there with you. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to worship together. Father, prayer is an act of praise, and Lord, we praise you today for all that you've done for us. I pray that we'd never take uh, your grace and your mercy and your goodness and your love and your kindness for granted. Father, we've seen you do so much in the lives of members of this church. Father, we've seen you save. Lord, we've seen you heal. Lord, we've seen you encourage. Father, we've seen you uh, bless families financially. Lord, we just want to thank you for that. Lord, it's so easy just to go through the motions when it comes to prayer. But Lord, we praise you and thank you for it. And Lord, Lord, we give you the honor and the glory that you deserve. Thank you for a peace that passes all understanding. Thank you for the trials that come into our lives that help us to be conformed in your image as hard as they are. Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit that is here. Father, we give you the praise for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. As they're going down, I just want to say...
for these guys that we've been practicing for months, and um, <clears throat> it's a joy to play and sing with them. So um, at the end of the service today, y'all make sure you run up to them and tell them thanks. I think we've been working on these for, what, two months, three months on these? So uh, every Wednesday night for two hours before Wednesday night uh, church, we're, we're practicing on the third floor. So um, <clears throat> it's it's awesome. Love these guys, and it's uh, a blessing to, to play and sing with them. So uh, we're going to do one more song called The Commission, and uh, if you know it, sing along. We're losing batteries from the pulpit. <laughs> we
Was that not a blessing? Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. What a blessing. I want to thank our choir. I want to thank our praise team. Thank you, Justin, for all your hard work. Uh, that's something that Justin's just decided to do. One thing I want to mention, if you'll, if you'll turn your Bibles to First Peter, uh, I'm going to mention this inside your bulletin. Uh, there's an announcement that says, January 20th, making a difference, a day with, with evangelism, training with Don Sunshine for all Sunday school teachers. That's for all lay leaders. If you don't know how to share your faith, which a lot of people don't, Don Sunshine has a very practical, easy approach to evangelism. This will be at Bethlehem Baptist Church. Um, it's sponsored by the Alexander Baptist Association. Uh, there'll be a curriculum there, so you need to register, and you can register on this little QR code here or contact the church office. We want all our Sunday school teachers to take it if you can, all our deacons to take it if you can. Our whole staff's going to take it. Anybody else is welcome to take it. You, you'll have a... a a session from 9 to 12, of course, there'll be a break in there. Lunch from 12 to 1, which is provided, and then it'll go to 2.30. I really appreciate Dean Chambers and his vision for evangelism in Alexander County. About 90% of studies will show of all Christians, evangelicals, rarely, if ever, share their faith. And most of those don't because they don't know how to do that. And this is just a very practical way to do it. We're very blessed to have somebody of Don's caliber there. I've seen the curriculum. It's excellent. So if you have that Saturday available, please take advantage of this. Uh, we don't get to do things like this often, especially with the association. And I really appreciate their vision for this. So uh, contact church office or, or scan your QR code and register for that. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 4 and stand with me this morning. Title of the message is The Fiery Trial. And we got to understand context. Peter is talking to, or writing this letter to people scattered across Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, over 750,000 square miles. If you look at the first two chapters of 1 Peter chapter 1, he tells you where, to the, the recipients of this letter, and they are starting to suffer persecution. And the reason they're suffering persecution, this is the third time in this epistle that Peter mentions suffering. And the reason they're suffering persecution is not just because they're Christians, it's because they share their faith. And when they started sharing their faith, that's when persecution came. See, the Jews of that day had synagogues. They never shared their faith because they were Jewish. But when Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians became born again, they started sharing their faith. So much so that history will tell us that I think in Bithynia, so many people came to Christ that they shut the temple down. And you can read that. That's his, historical fact. And the local leaders are getting so upset, saying that everything is collapsing because of Christianity. So when Peter writes this letter, he's talking about suffering for sharing your faith and living out your faith. Okay. So how does that apply to us? Well, trials hit everybody, don't they? I mean, trials hit us all. So these points that I make, these three, three points, all right, and I'll go through them pretty quickly. These three points, even though he's talking about suffering for Christ's sake, also can apply to us when we, when we face trials, because we are going to, right? Notice what he says in verse 12. Just three verses. Beloved. Don't you love how he opens that up? Beloved. He has a pastoral heart. He understands what's coming. Beloved. Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. Look at the word try. That could also mean test. It could also mean... Uh, God is using this in your life to conform you into the image of Christ. Paul told the church at Rome, God has predestined you to be conformed into the image of Christ. He uses preaching, praying, 
Bible reading, he also uses trials to conform us into his image. He says, as though something strange happened to you, which means this. He's telling them, expect it. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. If the world hated, hates me, it's really going to hate you. Now, I would tell you this. Living, living in America, okay, we're not going to face persecution yet. We haven't. But you're going to face all kinds of things, trials in your life. Expect it, God says. Jesus says it rains on the just and the unjust. In this world, you will have tribulation of some kind. It may not be in the form of persecution, but you'll have some kind of tribulation that will try your faith. And then he says this, But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. And what Peter is saying here is this, you can rejoice in the midst of your trial because you understand that Jesus Christ is coming back. This life is temporary. Heaven is eternal. And then he says this, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. Now think about that. When you go through trials, there's a special grace that God can give you where the spirit of God rests, look at the word rest, upon you. What a blessing. He says, on their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, as we uh, come to this passage, I'm reminded of the persecuted church around the world. Lord, you have blessed us so much. Lord, when, when we give thanks to you, we, we should thank you that we live in America, where we can freely, Lord, we could have church every day, two times a day if we wanted to. People in China are hiding. People in Africa are being slaughtered. Nigeria is, is probably the top place on the planet for Christians being killed just because they go to church. And Father, you've blessed us. Lord, help us to not take advantage of just meeting one hour a week together and studying your word. Father, we submit to your word this morning. Lord, you said your word would not return void. Lord, I trust that your word will touch each and every heart in a way that you have designed it to. Lord, just as trials, Lord, all of us face trials in different ways. We have different types of trials. Lord, what you may, somebody may be going through, I may not. What I'm going through, they may not. But Lord, that's just part of your sovereign plan. And Father, help us to rejoice in knowing that one day, one day, your glory is going to be revealed. And Lord, you will step foot on this earth and you will wipe away every tear from all eyes. And Lord, we will all give you honor, glory, and praise. And Father, we love you today. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together, Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. I want to mention this as well. We have a business meeting at the end of this service, which will last one minute, okay, unless y'all get crazy. Okay, if y'all don't get crazy, we'll be done in one minute, all right? But just y'all help me remember to do that. First point I want you to see here is this. Trials are coming, but God loves you. Now, you'll either believe that or not. Trials are coming. You know, the old saying is you're either in a trial going into a trial or coming out of a trial, but there's going to be a trial. I don't care. There's going to be a trial in your life eventually, and they're coming, but I want you to understand this, that God loves you. Typically, when trials come, we'll say this, what did I do wrong? Sometimes you did nothing wrong. Sometimes it's just life, right? Now, there's some things that happen in my life that are the consequences of my life. I can't blame God for that. But there are also things that may come in your life, and you're just like, what happened? Where's God in all this? Why is this happening to me, but it's not happening to Kevin? 
why is this happening to me? But Matt, nothing ever happens to Matt. You know, have you ever thought those thoughts? The psalmist, I think in Psalm 73 says, why do the, the righteous suffer and the wicked prosper? Okay, trials are coming, but you gotta understand spiritual maturity would say this, even though I'm going through a trial, God still loves me deeply and his love has never changed. Just like my behavior cannot influence God's love for me, it can't. God loves me just as much now as he did today he saved me. His love is uninfluenced. If I turn out to be the most wicked person in Alexander County, God's love for me does not change. It can't. All right? It just can't. That's why Peter starts out by saying this, you are beloved, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. He says, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. That word fiery trial means it's painful. It's awful. It's not good. It's not like what I'm going through today, okay? It's a fiery trial. Peter says it's coming, but he says, don't think it's strange as though something strange has happened to you. Jesus promises it would happen. He said, he said blessed are you if you're persecuted for my name's sake, is what Jesus said. He told his disciples, you will be hated by the world. Now, your trial is not going to be that, but it's your trial. One scholar says this, why is the question that hits the hardest lingers the longest? Or he says, why is the question that hits the hardest lingers the longest and is the question every Christian will ask at some point in time, why did this happen to me? Peter tells his readers, don't be surprised. That means don't be astonished. Don't be bewildered. He says, don't get, let it knock you off your feet because it happens. The devil waits for these moments when you go through a trial. But say something like this. Does God really love you? Why are you going through this? Why are you going through this? I mean, you're faithful. You read your Bible. You serve. Why are you going through this? You're younger. I've, I've seen younger people ask these questions when they're younger. Okay? I do a lot of funerals. I'm 53. I know I look 37, but I'm 53. I do a lot of funerals for people younger than me, healthier than me. You hear me? Younger than me and healthier than me. And the question I would ask, if that was my spouse, is why did that happen? There's nothing wrong with that. David asks those questions all the time. But you gotta understand, underlying all that and surrounding all that is that God loves you and he's in control. Why, I don't know. Don't ask me, I don't know. I've asked that question a hundred times. I've left funerals going, I just don't understand it. But notice this, I do know that there's one thing that God brings out of this. Notice where Peter says this, which is to try you, which means this. God's trials in our lives are not meant to destroy us, but to de develop us. Now listen to what uh, one pastor said. He says, Peter, nowhere in this letter, now this is the third time he's referred to suffering, nowhere does he downplay or diminish the impact of any kind of suffering on the heart and mind and life of a believer. He calls it a fiery trial. You could translate it a painful trial. Literally, listen to this, a purification by fire. We use the same kind of vocabulary today when we talk about someone suffering. They're really going through the fire. The heat is really turned up on them. That's the language of the Apostle Peter. The word Peter uses actually refers to the refiner's crucible, the refiner's fire. Notice it says it comes upon you to try you. That's the idea behind the, his use of the image of being tested or purified. A first century goldsmith, which Peter would understand, would work at refining the gold ore in his crucible. 
The only way to separate the gold from unwanted impurities is to turn up the heat and reduce the ore to liquid form with just the right heat. The impurities would rise to the surface and be skimmed away. A skilled goldsmith would continue to add more and more heat to the liquid gold until he could see his reflection on the surface of the liquid. Only then would he know the contents were pure. Even though the world and the devil intend to crush you through suffering, God allows it to construct you. So don't waste your suffering. Trials are necessary to grow us. They are. It's one of the few ways, uh, or one of the hardest ways that God uses in our lives to grow us. And sometimes God turns the heat up. You're no different than Jesus. Hebrews 5, 8 says, Though he was a son, capital S, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Because trials are necessary to grow us. Now think about trials that God sends, not that I cause. A lot of things in my life I cause, all right? I'm to blame. Own your mistake or own your sins and don't call it a mistake. Just own it. There's some things in my life that I cause, and I can't blame God for it. But there's some things that happen that God allows to happen because God wants to grow us. He has promised, He has predetermined before, before He even created the world that He would conform you, His elect, into, into the image of Jesus. It's going to happen. That's discipleship 101, if your theology is right. And he uses trials. Listen, trials are purposed. There is intelligence behind them. They're not accidents. They have a purpose. That's tough, isn't it? Let me read that again. When God sends a trial, when God does it, they are purposed. There's intelligence behind them. They're not just accidents. They have a purpose to purify you and to conform you into the image of Jesus. Just like the gold, God knows how much heat you can take. He knows what it's going to take that when he looks at you, he sees his reflection in your life. Trials. Trials are necessary to, go, to grow us. Any trial you go through, understand God is in charge. Accidents are not God. Luck is not God. Coincidence is not God. God is God, and God allows you to go through it. God is in charge and sovereign over your trial there is wisdom behind it. There is wisdom behind the trials that you go through. God works out all things according to the counsel of his will, Paul says. And many people are converted because of a trial. Think about that. You know how many, I don't know how many funerals I preached last year. It was a lot. I think I had two last week. I can't remember. All right. But in every funeral, I share the gospel. Every one of them. And through that, over a period of time, I've had people come to me saying, I prayed to receive Christ at the end of that funeral. Case in point, I, two years ago, I was preaching my brother's mother-in-law's funeral. I was there, and I used this, it's appointed unto men once to die, and then to judgment. I said, you got an appointment you're going to keep. You're not going to be late for this appointment. I have a day I'm going to die. Nothing I can do about it. It's appointed, that word appointed means that it's laid up and it's set aside, it's a reservation, and I can't change it. Doesn't matter if I'm healthy or sick or whatever, it's just going to happen. Maybe today, it may be uh, when I'm 80, I don't know. But I told everybody in that chapel service, I said, you have an appointment, do you know Jesus? You have an appointment, do you know Jesus, at this funeral? And there was a man at the end of that, I prayed, I, I prayed and I said, if you want to receive Christ, it's just as simple. And there was a guy at the end of it, and he just said, I, I prayed to receive Christ. What a blessing. 
And I friended him on Facebook, and within one month, he had a heart attack and died. Now, if that person hadn't have died, and we hadn't have had a funeral service, and he hadn't have come to it, he was going to have the heart attack, but he would have been lost. See, God can use a trial to convert you. So please understand, when you're going through things, there is intelligence behind it. There is a purpose behind it. There is a God behind it. Listen, most lost people will not pick up the Bible and read it and get convicted. Now, some do. God often uses a trial to soften their heart, and many times he does. C.S. Lewis said this, Trials teach us to grow up and leave our playthings. Trials teach us to grow up and stop playing church. Did you hear what I said? Trials will teach us to grow up and man up and be a strong Christian instead of being a little boy. Trials will teach you what's important in life. Some people will never be faithful to church until trials hit them hard and just smack them in the face. And then they get faithful. But don't wait till then. Look, trials turn 40-year-old boys into men and get serious about God. Some people never read their Bible or pray until the trial comes. And God says, I'll send another trial. I'll turn the heat up hotter to make you, to conform you into my image. So trials, expect them, but God is going to look. Don't think it's strange, which is to try you, test you, to grow you. Trials are necessary. I heard a pastor of a mega church one time say this. See, trials test our faith. He says, do you really believe if the rapture happened right now that all of us are going to heaven? Do you know the Lord? Had a senior adult come to me when we're in the old office. And he came to me and I said, how you doing, brother? And he said, I'm not good. He said, I got a bad report at the doctor. This, is, this, this happened. So we talked about it. I said, I said, when did you join this church? And he's in all the older directories. And he showed me some of the pictures and we just laughed about them. And he says, he said this, I, I, I wrote it down. He said, God is getting my attention. And I said, about what? And he said, about my salvation. I said, when did you join this church? I said, I've been a member of this church for over 40 years. And I said, do you know Jesus? He said, no. I'm not 100% sure. And I said, well, you're going to be when you leave this office. And you realize that he prayed to receive Christ. And I shared that at his funeral. And at his funeral, before he died, he told me one of the last things he died, he said is this, I have peace in my heart because I know Jesus is my personal Lord and Savior. Was a member of this church for 40 years. See, trials will test your faith. Trials will turn you from an apathetic church member into a born-again Christian. So you should thank God for your trials. Listen, trials are proof of our faith. Jesus, when he shared about the soils, he said the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long, they fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Trials also, God can also turn your trial into your ministry. Paul says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles or trials so that we can comfort others. Listen, he says, I comfort you so that at some point in time in your life, you can comfort somebody else. See, I haven't been through what you've been through. 
And I can't help the person that's going through what you're going through, or what you've been through, but you can. God can turn your trial into your ministry if you'll allow him to. Trials will give you sensitivity to other people. And notice what Peter says, beloved. So when you're going through trials, understand that God loves you. Look at those three words. You either believe that or you don't believe that. Think about the fact that the God who hung the stars and knows them by name loves you. I share this at a lot of funerals because it's, it's so important. I share this quote by David Jeremiah. He says, the most important fact of your life is that God loves you. The eternal, self-existent being who created and sustains everything that exists dearly loves you. The profound thought of God's love should begin and end your every day. It's not merely that God loves, it's that God is love. Everything he does is rooted in and motivated by love. He made the world because he's love. He formed human beings because he is love. He rules the universe in love. In other words, John is reminding us that when we think of God, the world he created, we should never forget about his love. King David said this, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. The Jews said it's an everlasting love, which means it can't end. It can't be exhausted. Paul said that God's love is poured out on our hearts, and that's like a Niagara Falls form of love. It just poured out in our hearts. John says this, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. Another translation says, see what manner of love that God has given us. That reminds me of when Jesus calmed the storm with the disciples. You know, he'd done it two times. One of the disciples looked up and he said this, what manner of man is this? What manner of man is this? He's not, and what he's saying is this, Jesus is not like us. He's not. He said, peace be still, and the waves stopped, and the storm stopped then. Isn't that amazing? And he looked up at him, and the Bible says, then the disciples worshiped. But, but the phrase that got me was, what manner of man is this? He's different. He's not like us. And when John writes 1 John 3, 1, he says, what manner of love is this? Which means God loves you like nobody else does. Your mother loves you, I hope. Your grandmother loves you, I hope. But nobody loves you like Jesus. What manner of love is this? What is it? So when you're going through a trial and you're suffering, and it's God-caused, understand that God loves you. Because it's real easy, it's real easy to forget that. That you're loved by God, so much so that when, when John wrote his gospel, he says this. He says, for God so loved the world. Now, the world in the Greek means this. It doesn't say that God loved the elect. It says that he loved the world. And it assumes that the world he loves may or may not believe. That word world means this, those who are fallen morally and who are depraved spiritually. In John 3, 16, God's love in sending the Lord Jesus is to be admired, not because it is extended to so big a thing as the world, but to so bad a thing. Not to so many people, but as to such wicked people. And in that, he also presents himself as a God who invites and commands all human beings to repent. 
your trial and your suffering is not a sign that God does not love you, but it's a sign that he does. This is why Paul could write this to the church at Ephesus, and this is my prayer for myself, and this is my prayer for you. And we're going to end this sermon with this, with this uh, verse, and I'm going to give you one point today because we're going to have a business meeting. But listen to what he says, and this is my prayer for you. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp. Now listen, I want you to grasp this, he says, because Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus and they face persecution. Uh, probably one of the, Rome and Ephesus are some of the worst places. And he says, this is what I want you to grasp. How wide and long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And what Paul is saying is this, you're going to face some really hard times, people. He was telling his church, you're going to face bad times, bad times, because you're a Christian. But I want you to understand this, that every step you take, every day that you live, you're loved by the God of the universe, and his spirit, Peter tells us in verse 14, rests on those who are suffering. Just rest on them. Is that not a blessing? I want you to stand with me real quickly as our musicians come. We're going to give a quick invitation. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, I would encourage you to do that. And I'll ask you this question as they come, and they can go ahead and start playing. This is personal for you. Are you going through a trial? Okay, here's the question. Are you going through a trial? Number one, I would encourage you when you pray here in just a moment to say, God, I trust you with this trial. I trust you with it. And ask God to help you during this invitation. I would also say this to many of us here in this church. Have you made it through a trial? Or are you going through a trial that God's brought you through? Thank Him over and over and over and over again. And make a commitment today to use your pain and your past to help somebody else. That's what we're to do. And then finally, are you born again? Jesus is coming back. You could die at any time. Jesus could go back at any time. After you die, there's not a chance to repent. And I would encourage you to do it now. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. At this moment right now, you're either saved or lost. Every term with salvation is a legal term in the court of heaven. You fool nobody. You can fool yourself. You can fool your spouse. You can fool your kids. But the day I was born again, a legal transaction happened in heaven and God wrote my name down in the Lamb's Book of Life. I was declared justified by faith and I had peace with God and that cannot be reversed. It can't. So have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus? If not, at this invitation time, just pray to the Lord and ask Him to save you. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads as I pray. Father, as we come to you in prayer, Lord, there are many people in this church, Lord, who faced so many trials last year, and we saw you walk them through it. And we want to thank you. We want to praise you and thank you for it, Lord. We should thank you over and over again. Lord, every time we meet as a church, we should thank you for how you've answered prayers of people who have faced trials in their life. Lord, there are many in this congregation today who are going through trials, and Lord, you're the answer. Lord, I pray that you'd give them strength and encouragement 
Lord, let them know how much you love them. Lord, I always pray this when I'm in the hospital. Lord, be as real to these people as you ever have been in your life. Lord, your word says in chapter or verse 14 that when we suffer for you or suffer in general, Lord, that your spirit rests upon us. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would rest upon people. Lord, give them peace and encouragement. Lord, give people wisdom with what they're facing. Lord, mature us through these trials. Lord, if there's anyone here today, whether they're in person or watching online or be listening on the radio next week, Lord, I pray that they would place their faith and trust in you. Lord, if we confess our mouth to Lord Jesus and believe in, the, believe in our heart that you raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. Lord, help us to cling to Jesus today. Lord, save people for your honor and for your glory. Lord, encourage people for your honor and for your glory. Lord, help us to realize that if we leave here, even if we're lost, Lord, we leave here loved by the God of the universe who sent his son to die in our place. Father, this is your time and these are your people, and I pray that this invitation would bring honor and glory to your great name. Amen. As they lead us in this song, you respond as the Lord leads you this morning. Just be seated, no reason for anybody to leave. Okay, this is our quarterly.